This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Happy Preakend to all who observe here on this Friday afternoon. Randy Scott here in Bristol, Connecticut. Q Myers there in sunny Las Vegas. I hope it's sunny. I know y'all have it is <laughs> unseasonable, uh, unseasonable variety of weather. It is Fitz and Harry. It is ESPN Radio and on uh, the ESPN app as well. Sirius XM Channel 80 and your smart speakers by saying play ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can call 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The focus on the weather here, just sort of with the rejoin, is is an interesting one. We're looking at, at uh, sunny conditions right now at Augusta National, as this is what, you know, weather on the zeros uh, across the country right. on ESPN Radio. But we're keeping an eye on it because it's going to get dicey, and there is a distinct advantage here coming uh, for the guys who are out there on the course right now and have already sort of gotten their 18 holes in already. Uh, we've seen some low-continued scores. That's going to change with thunderstorms coming in. So let's get a taste of what's going on as round number two of the Masters is underway. Live from Augusta, Georgia, this is a Fitz and Harry Masters update. <laughs> Brooks Kepka is leading at 12 under par. He has a three-shot lead over Jason Day, who's at nine under, still on the course. Kepka shot a 67 on his day. He is done. He has a three-shot lead. Victor Hovland and John Rahm are five shots back. They have yet to take the course on. <laughs> I love the hushed tones of that professional. Wait, we have I, I love I, I love the tones, Randy. I love the soft hushed tones, <laughs> but I want to hear a roar. How about give me a tiger update? Let me hear something what loud. Give me some energy. Attaboy. Fitz and Harry, Tiger Update. Tiger is on the course. He is underway, and he just hit a ball on the first hole, his second shot into the green. He has made the green in regulation on the first hole. Again, Tiger shot a two over 74 yesterday, so he is now 10 shots behind Brooks Kepka, who's your leader at 12 under par. So Tiger, two shots into round two. He is two over, but he is on the green, putting for birdie, about a 20-footer uh, on the first hole. Boom. All right, there's your tiger. There's your tiger update, and that is why he has to stay around Q for the weekend. I mean, he yes. has to make the cut. He's never not made it as a professional golfer. Uh, obviously, the bar has been—I don't want to say lowered—but the the goalposts, mm-hmm. instead of moving them further away, the goalposts have been moved closer now in recent years with Tiger Woods as he's continued to deal with injury recovery and age. And you know, for him to be in contention in the weekend is is fascinating, it's electric, it adds a vibe to it that we don't see, uh, and we won't see it this year because he's so far off the pace. I mean, he's right. teeing off 14 strokes back of what Brooks Kepka did today by going five under, uh, and n- not running away and hiding is Kepka. I mean, Jason Day is right there with him. Jason Day still has a few holes uh, to try to try to catch up. He's just three strokes back, and Victor Hovland, John Rahm haven't teed off yet. And there's also the Sam Bennett story. I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, the, the amateur out of Texas A&M, uh, certainly low amateur right now. I mean, he's at six under par. He's two under today through 11 holes. He's playing with 
Scotty Scheffler, who's, right. the, who's the reigning champion. Scheffler is four strokes back of Bennett. Scheffler's two over on the day and is continuing to sort of fade. And Bennett's right there, and his story's tremendous. Um, lost his father recently, you know, plays in his memory and uh, and plays with a, a tattoo in his dad's, his dad's handwriting uh, on him. So it's just, there's so many stories mm-hmm. at Augusta that you get to see in here, and we just hope that Tiger Woods making the cut cue is one of those stories. No doubt. I mean, again, just Tiger playing on the weekend is something that, that matters, right? I mean, again, there's so many great golfers, and, and I hate that I do this to myself, but I mean, I'm Tiger through and through. So, you know, if Tiger's playing, I'm so locked in, but there are so many great golfers, and, you know, this is such a special event, the Masters. So you really are doing yourself a disservice. And like I said, I do it to myself. I do myself a disservice at times when I'm not paying attention because. Tiger's not there, but he just pushes the needle no matter what the expectations are. And you hit it on the head, Randy. I mean, we're not expecting him to be wearing the, the, the green jacket at the end of the day when it's all said and done on Sunday, roaring down that, that back the back nine with his red polo on as I got my <laughs> red polo on today in honor of Tiger. I mean, it's now I'm wearing it on Fridays now instead of Sundays for that exact reason. But again, the Masters is still the Masters. Q Myers, Randy Scott, and for the guys on uh on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, and you know, speaking of what they're chasing for, right? Like they're they're playing for a green jacket, and we pivot off of that green to Celtic screen. Uh, Jalen Brown was on Keyshawn J. Will and Max this morning, and uh, you know, it, the the focus for Boston in Boston certainly is on the end of this Celtic season, whenever that comes. But it's also on extending the run here for Jalen Brown as a member of the Celtics. He addressed what he wants for his future with the guys on ESPN Radio this morning. What do you want for your future? What do you mean by that? Well, there's a lot of speculation about, does Jalen Brown see a long-term future with the Celtics? We spent hours talking about what the future looks like for you in Boston. What do you want? I want to win a championship, of course. I think that's what every player and every athlete plays a game for, is to win. So that would be nice to start. Do you want to do that in Boston? Uh, Absolutely. Why not? I think we got a, a great opportunity <laughs> right now here, so... Um, I'm looking forward to the playoffs. That was Jason Fitz, actually. Obviously, if you know if you know that voice, it's because you listen to this program, his right. program, and uh, that was an interesting back and forth. I think that's a slice of Jalen Brown's personality as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very thoughtful guy, a guy who's willing to ask questions as well as answer them, and a guy who does want to win. And that's why, to me, he's someone that's integral to not only Boston's success this right. season, Q, but moving forward, they have to keep this man. I would think so as well, but I'll tell you, Randy, I didn't get just a glowing review that, yeah, he wants to be there from that soundbite. That soundbite when, you know, Jason asked, well, do you want to do it in Boston? He said, uh... Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, it's not like it's, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, hell yeah, I want to be here. Of course I do. This is the squad. You know, me and Tatum, man, we're about to take them to the next level. Like, I, I imagine if early Steph and early Clay were asked a question like that before they broke through and won a championship, that they were looking at each other like, yeah. We're the Splash Brothers. We want to win together. I didn't get that sense when I heard that. And I'm not you know, trying to create something that might not be there, but it didn't sound like he was all the way in on, yeah, he had to be in Boston. I, I think you're right. I think you're right about that, and I think that's why it does keep Celtics fans up at night and probably Celtics front office up at night. And it's an interesting comparison to go back to uh, – to go back to, to Steph and Clay in their early years at Golden State, I feel like it's a wonderful comparison because of not only the NBA Finals intersection that we had last season between that duo and this one, but you do have two homegrown guys, right? Mm-hmm. Guys who were drafted, uh, you know, high draft picks by their franchises. And I look at the energies from both duos, and I think in Boston, what makes it perhaps more combustible 
is you have two alpha energies. Right. Jalen Brown is an alpha. It's part of what's driven him to this point. Uh, Jason Tatum is an alpha as well. I'm not saying Steph and Clay aren't. I'm saying that that their that their styles and their styles of winning and styles of playing mm-hmm. are, are have more. Uh, Man, they go together better. They're like they're, outlets, I mean, they, they kind of blend yeah. a little bit better. They're easier on the I don't want to say easier on the eyes, but they're easier on just kind of kind of working together as yes. as opposed to I'm the alpha and you're you know I'm Batman and you're Robin. Right, right. They're, they're, it's it's more complimentary. I want to say they're surge protectors. You know what I mean? They there have you more, go. They have more outlets for which you can plug into as yeah. opposed to what as opposed to like an old school like my way or the highway type of outlet that I I truly do think Jalen and Jason are. I think they work together though. I think I think mm-hmm. rumors in Boston of their friction and their inability to coexist and share the basketball and take late shots or whatever else. I think that's overblown. Mm-hmm. I think it's part of what Ime Udoka did so well last season as Celtics head coach. Uh, part of why Brad Stevens was so willing to hand over the reins to Udoka, and part, quite frankly, of what's I want to say befuddled Joe Missoula. I think the learning curve is pretty steep at the NBA level, and Missoula's learning that this season. Mm-hmm. But if the Celtics fall short of an NBA title this year, it's not going to be because Tatum and Brown uh, didn't complement each other or play well off of each other. It's going to be because of extenuating circumstances like a very late coaching change. Right. And Brown, I think that's something the Celtics have to be concerned about. Brown is, was, and remains tight with Yudoka, loved playing for him, and kind of felt like the change that happened at the coaching position in Boston wasn't one that had to happen. And so you worry about keeping an asset who likes playing for a certain kind of coach when that coach isn't on the roster. Exactly. And, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I, I don't want to say I want to root for them to win a championship, but I do root for them to stay together. So if that means that they have to win a championship to make that happen, because I think that they're a heck of a duo, as you mentioned. I think that Tatum and Brown run really well together, but there could become that opportunity and that situation that occurs if they don't get it done and they feel like, you know what, I can't do it with this guy. I need to go somewhere else. I'm actually surprised Boston had the se- season that they had this year because I thought the Coach Adoka situation was going to really derail what they mm-hmm. had, the potential that they had for this upcoming season. But Coach, Coach Missoula has done a heck of a job taking over and getting them where they're at. Now it's up to the players. It's up to Tatum. It's up to Brown. It's up to those alphas to seal the deal and get the job done. I think they have an opportunity to do it, but we know the playoffs is a different animal and they'll have to get it done. And that's how they have, I, really. I think it has been on the strike. I think it's been in spite of their coach, and I think it's been because of the leadership of those two guys, Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, and maybe to a lesser but still important degree, Al Horford just as the adult in yeah. the room. Yep. But I think everybody had to grow up this season in Boston, and I think Jalen Brown deserves a ton of credit for being that guy, especially after his teammate broke his face. You right. know what I mean? He had, yeah. had to play that in part. a cage. <laughs> he had to play in a mask. We talk about Batman and Robin and yep. Jalen Brown's had to do it. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Q Myers. I'm Randy Scott. We're going to continue this conversation. Plus, today is the anniversary of a very important day in sports. We're going to tell you what it is, where it ranks, and invite you to go ahead and shred that ranking. Absolutely. <laughs> you can join the conversation. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Hey. 
Can you stand the rain? I could see. I could see how Harry just vibes on this show. <laughs> and I can see Fitz doing a lot of just bite the lip, just serious <laughs> side of the dance floor at the wedding reception dancing. I'm in my bag right now, Randy. I'm in my bag, man. <laughs> I can't sing worth the lick, but I'm trying. <laughs> I can't either. I can't either. But you send me to a wedding reception, give me a, a couple of sarsaparillas there at the bar. There it is. And I'll get out there. I will I will belt and I will shake the my I'll be my the backup half. dancer. That's the thing. Like Harry Douglas could be the lead singer. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be Ralph Tresvant, right? I don't mind being the guy in the back with the the sequence suit on that's just sliding to the side, Hello. sliding to the other side. The backup dancer's got to get fed too, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the backup dancer is very essential to how everything jumps off. So I'm good at being the backup dancer. There's one Randy who can dance, and his name is Randy Watson, and he was in Sexual Chocolate. Randy Watson. That boy's good. <laughs> Good and terrible. Uh, it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM Channel 80, as well as your smart speaker by asking it to play ESPN Radio. That is Q Myers in Las Vegas. I'm Randy Scott here in uh, Bristol, Connecticut. You can see me tomorrow on SportsCenter AM at 7 a.m. Eastern. Um, it's a reminder here uh, that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And that's part. Listen, man, do perfect fit on a team. You got one uh, main, you know, front lead singer, and then you got some backup dancers. Right. And there you go, and you're off and running. Um, so Q, are you uh, are you married? Yes. Okay. So how lo- how long have you been married? Ten, 10 years. A little bit over ten years. There we go. I know the ten year. Um, I know the ten year traditional wedding gift, right? They it, they have them for certain years. You know, like I think like weirdly, I think like two years is wood or Wait, something. Wait, we're supposed or? to get a gift after ten years? How come this is new news to me? Oh no, you're supposed to give one, my good. Oh, man. never mind. Yeah, Just no, kidding. No, no. Uh, Let me be quiet then. That is. Uh, that <laughs> Let is, me that be is quiet. <laughs> the happy wife, happy life thing. Yes. You give the gift, and I think oh. I think traditionally. So for ten years, I think it's tin, uh, to show the malleability of a marriage, or they're they're all symbolic. And so for thirty years, mm-hmm. it's pearl. That is the traditional gift. Okay. So uh, if you are kith or kin or significant other or otherwise to anyone who was involved with the making of the movie The Sandlot, which hit theaters thirty years ago today and became, in my opinion, an iconic baseball movie, uh, go ahead and get yourself or get them something with Pearl in it. Uh, maybe some Pearl snaps on a shirt. You know, that goes that goes real well. Uh, Q, we've established you're not a, a, a big movie guy. Is The Sandlot anything that resonates with you? The Sandlot, I remember it, but I don't remember it like I remember it, right? I mean, like, coming to America, I remember a lot better than I remember The Sandlot. But I do know that Sandlot is a good movie, and, of course, it was it was a fun movie. Let's put it like that. Isn't that the movie with the big dog? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's the movie with the big dog, yes. <laughs> there you go. See? I remember the big dog, and then uh, Homeboy that was, like, stealing bases. He was a Dodger guy, right? He, he was stealing bases, and he had to go steal the, the, the ball back. I remember. Yeah, see, I remember ben, bits and pieces. It's coming Benny, back to me. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. There you go. <laughs> Homeboy who stole the bases. <laughs> It's amazing. I love. It really is. It's like you. You're. It's like you're an alien that was dropped onto Earth. 
Right. Or, or like, or someone who grew up abroad, right? And you're right. just like, I'm not sure. I think it was the guy who stole the bases. I'm not exactly positive. Well, you know, it's funny. He always appealed to me because my favorite baseball player growing up was Ricky Henderson, who always stole bases. So, yeah. Benny the Jet is a guy that, you know, he, he he's, he's a man after my own heart, a guy that if I was playing the game, I'd want to play it that way, where I'm playing fast, I'm stealing bases. And so... When he did that, and he was the, the the fast guy, I remember. Okay, that's that's me. That's 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 the, he's getting his Ricky Henderson on. That's a great call. That's a great call. So there we were. So I'm not going to ask you to do this as a as a, a, not a, a a massive baseball guy. But we, how about this? Because they asked me, they said, "Hey, what are your top five baseball movies?" Right on the anniversary Ooh. of the Sandlot, and the Sandlot is absolutely in that top five okay. for me. Okay, is there a baseball movie like when you think yeah, baseball? Movie, I got one. What's the one that comes to mind? Major League, because oh, of yeah. Willie Mays Hayes. Same same concept, right? Ricky yeah. Henderson. It always goes back to Ricky, man. When it comes to something like that, baseball, it always goes back to Ricky. My favorite players these days, guys that steal bases, and I don't mean the big bases, the ones that they had to make bigger so you could steal a base. Uh-huh. I mean the regular bases. I, I'm, you know, I'm like Ricky. <laughs> Ricky would have stole those big bases and laughed, right? I mean that's that's me. But Major League, Willie Mays Hayes, right? Hits yeah. like Mays and and runs like Hayes. Woo, Willie Mays Hayes. I'm, Willie I'm, Mays. I'm that guy. You may hit like Hayes, but you sure run, or you may run like Hayes. But I, <laughs> yeah, I got I'm blanking. you. I'm There are some ways that you can't uh, you can't finish some of these lines. Uh, there is baseball, seemingly more, I think, than any other specific sport has given us just a sheer volume of more movies. I think it's been mm-hmm. the inspiration as America's pastime for just, uh, you know, I mean, the, the the good ones, in my opinion, Major League, right to the bad ones, in my opinion, like uh, Fever Pitch. You know, like, I think living... What I think was living that? What movie was that? Fever Pitch. Okay, so Fever Pitch is I Drew like Barrymore. You like Fever Pitch? Big fan of Fever Pitch. Okay, yeah. now now you're sure Why? that you know... Okay, that that's Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Right. It's because some people confuse it with Summer Catch. I also like that one. Stop it! <laughs> Summer Catch with Freddie Prince Jr.? Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, buddy. Okay, all right. What do you like about Fever Pitch? You're not from Boston. No, I just think it's a cool story. I think Drew Barrymore is great in it. I think the, the idea of the girl who knows nothing about baseball but spends the entire year at Fenway Park... Yeah. And has no clue about like anything, and then they end up after eighty six years winning the World Series that year, and she's on the field celebrating with the team, like the whole thing. Sorry, spoilers, but like, no, go ahead. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, I I just think the whole story is cool. I I love the idea that she knows nothing about baseball, and this the whole baseball movie follows her. All right, so also, Drew Fallon like grew up a, a Yankee fan, so it was weird to me that he was yeah. playing the role. Yeah, and, and so people saw him on Saturday Night Live doing his. His sully, you know, shtick, right? Like his Boston accent, and they were like, "Oh, it must be a Red Sox fan." That was the year that the Red Sox won the World Series. So they shot at Fenway Park throughout the season. They had to amend the end of the movie. They had to change the movie because they went ahead and they won the World Series. And it just so happened to be the year where Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore they're running onto the field celebrating with the Red Sox, the actual Red Sox, as they won the World Series. That movie, that abomination, did not make the top five. I'm gonna run through them very quickly. Number one, Sandlot. I loved it. It was my wheelhouse. I was that age when it came out. Cool. Number two, Major League. Boom. Okay, I think I had to be a little bit older to even watch it in my house. I think my parents were that strict. Number three, I love League of Their Own. I love it. I love Gina Davis and Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell and Tom Hanks. Oh, is that No Crying in Baseball? Yes. Boom, look, I got that one. No Crying <laughs> in Baseball. I'm there. I love John Lovitz where he's like, uh, he's trying to... 
he's trying to recruit Gina Davis, and he's like, I'll pay you $50 a week. And she's like, we only make 30 at the dairy. And John Lovitz goes, well, this will be more, wouldn't it? Like, it's just so dry and perfect. <laughs> Number four, Field of Dreams. Uh, oh, yeah. Kevin Costner has a couple entries in the baseball uh, pantheon. Uh, you know, For Love of the Game is a good one. Um, obviously, Bull Durham is a good one. I only picked one Kevin Costner movie, and I went with Field of Dreams. And number five, again, because of how old I was when it came out, Rookie of the Year with Gary Busey, okay? A, a, a yet-to-be-a-cartoon Gary Busey and with the dude from um, American Pie and... Uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas. Daniel, Daniel Stern is in that book, yes. or is in that movie. Uh, I can't remember who plays his mom, but it's where he you know breaks his arm cue and suddenly, as a kid, he can throw a million miles an hour and he plays for the Chicago Cubs. And uh, again, I was that age at the time. It made me want to be a Cubs fan briefly. It made me fall in love oh, wow. with the city of Chicago. <laughs> All right, enough of that. We're gonna we're gonna find out with Q Myers and Randy Scott, and for the guys on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, we are going to find out what a former Eagle thinks of Q saying that the Eagles will not be back in the Super Bowl. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Your smart speaker on this Friday afternoon. Happy pre-end to all who observe. He's Q Myers in Las Vegas. I'm Randy Scott in Bristol, Connecticut. In for the guys. Phone numbers 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Joining us on that phone number right now is Herm Edwards, our coach, our football conscious, our conscience rather, ESPN NFL analyst. Coach, uh, the two teams that we are covering today, keeping a, an eye on and, and keeping our, our conversation on are the Bengals and then a team that's near and dear to your heart, and that's Philadelphia Eagles, uh, last two Super Bowl runners-up. In your opinion, here as we stand in, in April, Coach, which of those two teams is more likely to get back to the Super Bowl? Oh, <laughs> get back to the Super Bowl? Yes, sir. You talk about gold again? Two years in a row? <laughs> right. Uh, I think it's very difficult uh, for the Eagles. I, I think it'll be very difficult. Uh, when you think of all the losses uh, that they had this year, um, they lose both coordinators, obviously. Now, they, they, they kept some of the players they thought they were going to lose. They, they re-signed some guys, especially up front. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's, it's very difficult um, when you've gone to a Super Bowl um, the next, and then you lost. Uh, to come back and make it back there the next year. Uh, that really hasn't been done. When you think about the the, the NFC East, um, the likelihood of them winning the division is going to be very difficult as well. And I like them. I like their football team. I do. I think they've done a great job. Uh, but I just think the, 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 road, the, the road is difficult for the Philadelphia Eagles this year, along with their schedule. Yeah, and Coach, we were talking about that, playing ceiling and floor, and, and that's what I said is that I don't think that the Eagles are going to make it back to the Super Bowl because it is so difficult, but why? Why, why is it, after a team loses the Super Bowl, is it so difficult to climb that hill and get back there again? You know, I, there's a lot of things that got to go right. Obviously, they were 14-3. and three. Quarterback played outstanding. A.J. Brown, you know, the addition of him, the defense was just magnificent. Um, 
you know, the offseason becomes a factor. How do you deal with success? Mm-hmm. You know, the first team to go to the Super Bowl was the team I played on with the Philadelphia Eagles. And we had a really good football team and lost to the Raiders and felt like, you know what, we'll get back. And we had a good team coming back, uh, but, then got, but then lost in the playoffs, you know, and never got back. And so I, I just think it's, it's how you handle the offseason. You know, things change when you have success. You know, all of a sudden only five guys had radio shows and you go to Super Bowls, 20 guys got a radio show. Now, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just all these things are pulling at you. How do you deal with all the distractions off the field the chemistry of a team is different. You know, you got two new coordinators. Think about that on both sides of the ball. Two, two, two guys now that are different, right? That, that, that'll be interesting how they handle that as well. So all these things are fighting against you. And plus, think about this, guys. Every time you play, it's somebody's big game. Because you know what the coach is going to say? Hey, we're playing the former uh, Super Bowl uh, participants. Oh. So you, you as a player, you get up playing that team. Yeah, yeah. He's Herm Edwards, our ESPN NFL analyst with us on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Q Myers, Randy Scott, and for the guys, Coach, you mentioned uh, you know, d- uh, distractions, right, for a Super Bowl team. Here we have one in Baltimore for a team that hasn't been to the Super Bowl in a few years, and that's Lamar Jackson and, and his, uh, his trade request about a month ago now uh, from the Ravens. How do you think this ends up playing out between the team, the Ravens, and their quarterback? I think it's going to be a lose-lose. I think the Ravens have kind of dug in. Um, I don't think they're going to give him what he wants as far as his contract. Um, and I think Lamar's dug in. And with that being said, I think Lamar will wait him out and might not show up. Okay, so if that's the case, then you look at Baltimore, they're in a division where right now you got Burroughs, you got Pickett, and you got Deshaun Watson, right? Those are the quarterbacks just in your division. Mm-hmm. So now you don't have a quarterback. So I think both parties suffer in this. Both parties. It, 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 it's not a good ending. It doesn't look good, doesn't feel good. Obviously, it doesn't sound good <laughs> by what you read and what you hear, right? But, you know, hopefully it'll, it, it, some kind of way we have hope and it'll, it'll come together. But if it doesn't, I think both parties lose on this. If he does go ahead and sit out, like, like you say, could, you know, could happen – then what? Then what's the end result? Do they end up trading him? Does he come back a fresher player after having a year off? What, I mean, what, what's the end goal for Lamar then? Well, I think going into the draft, they're going to draft quarterback. Okay. Right? Because you don't know how to go in. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, knowing Lamar, he's he, he going to sit out mm-hmm. if he doesn't get what he wants. And, and, and look, the Ravens, I don't think, are going to budge. Because they're in a place now where they've gone this far. It's like, hey, man. You know, we, 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 we got to stick to our guns now. And so I think they sit in a situation where I, I do believe, and, and Jim said it, at the press conference, he said, well, we're looking at all the positions. Hint, hint. Yeah, you better be because you might not have a quarterback. Uh, Coach, I got to get you out. Go back to your Philadelphia ties here. Let's say at number 10, let's say the Eagles keep that pick. Let's say Bijan Robinson, yeah. all everything running Ooh. back out of Texas is there. And let's say Jalen Carter is there, Ooh. the defensive nightmare out of uh, out of Georgia. Uh, given the way the, NFL, the given the way the NFL treats running backs right now, values running backs, and given how defensively sound Philadelphia already is, I'm curious if those two guys are there. Who do you see them taking? Oh boy, you're going to get two good players. I I, I do this. 
I'll take the runner. Mm. That's just me. Yeah. I, I would take the runner because I, I would I would alleviate some of the stress on the quarterback. It tried because to, the quarterback, yeah. you paid him a bunch of money. Now you, you can't run him. He can't take those hits, continue to take these hits as a runner. Just can't. You're right. Look, they're an outdoor team. They play outside. They play in the elements. Um, you can't have your quarterback running the ball like he did last year. You know, I mean, I mean, the guy that ran it more than him was was our guy up in Chicago. He ran it 160 times. Right? You 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 can't keep doing that. This is your franchise quarterback, and so I, I'd get a runner just to protect I, mm-hmm. just to protect the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and replace a lot of that production. You know, all due respect to Rashad Penny, who they brought in from Seattle, yeah. but you lose Miles Sanders and his 1,200 yards or so, and his goal line looks. He goes down to Carolina. You got to replace that somehow, and people are electrified by what Bijan Robinson can do. Coach, we appreciate the oh, time. Yeah. Thank you for uh, for spending part of your afternoon with us. Now go watch some golf, all right? <laughs> I got you. <laughs> all right. Thank all you, right. Man. That's Coach Herm Edwards with us uh, on Harry and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, Q, we got some news out of the NBA. Mavs might be, might be waving the white flag here. They've ruled out Kyrie Irving and four other key players for tonight's game against the Bulls. Uh, that includes Maxi Kleba, uh, Christian Wood, and Tim Hardaway Jr., as well as Josh Green. Uh, not going tonight. Dallas is still in the mix for the play, and we'll have more on that. We'll also tell you why one team could change everything in the NFL draft. That and more still to come. It's Fitz and Harry with Randy and Q in for the guys on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I d- Q, did you just dry heave? I just yeah, that was that was a little uncomfortable. What's the past tense for heave? Hove? Now, I don't know. Hove? I just dry. No, that's Jay Z. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know, but that was uncomfortable. That's tough. He is tatted up. He's a tatted king. But I, and I'm uh, not mad at that. But I'm not mad at that. No, I'm mad at talking about the extent and location of the right. laser hair removal, which means that you and I should stop. It's Q Myers, Randy Scott. <laughs> We're in for the hairless Fitz and Harry, which you would have to change the name of the show, uh, Fitz and Hairless, on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers by saying play ESPN Radio. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number, 888-729-3776. And a reminder to tune in for baseball action tomorrow night as the Braves host the Padres Coverage begins 6.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And I'll be the first to tell you that is an NLCS preview. Okay, it's a week oh, into the season. Oh, your shot, huh? Two calling your shot. In. Yes, we're going to see that lock up in October. Uh, what we'll also see in October is a new NFL season. And what we will see are talented young quarterbacks, essentially, in my opinion, Q, being thrown to the Wolves because that's where they go, uh, what they do. In- increasingly, there is a uh, de-emphasis on letting these you know rookies learn at right. all, uh, observe at all. It's get out there and go. And if they're drafted at the top of the draft queue, it stands to reason, right? Like they are not going to winning situations. That's how right. these high draft slots happen. So with that as the backdrop, and in my opinion, when you look at this NFL draft class, I feel like there are distinct tiers forming queue mm-hmm. at the quarterback position. I feel like top tier being Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I feel like the middle tier, the sort of 
uh, bang for your buck tier, the lottery ticket tier might be Anthony Richardson. I think he's a tier unto himself. Okay. And I feel like Will Levis is falling away from that top group and might be the beginning of a third tier that is starting to include Hendon Hooker right. out of Tennessee. So I say all that to say, if one of the top three teams in the NFL draft order currently, whether it is uh, Carolina, whether it's Houston, or whether it's Arizona, if they zag away from the quarterback position, and the Colts are at four, so we can include them in this conversation, right, for sure. if someone goes rogue and goes defense, I feel like the draft gets very interesting very quickly. I agree 100%, and it's funny because like, I think a week ago I would have told you, yeah, but that's not going to happen, right? You're going to see C.J. Stroud <laughs> or Bryce Young go number one. You'll see C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young go number two, and then the Cardinals, okay, they'll be on the clock. They'll either take defense or they'll trade back because the Colts need a quarterback. Like In my brain, I had it all figured out of what's going to happen, but every year, Randy, if you go back through the drafts, somebody always zags, right? It's, mm-hmm. Somebody always makes a call that's like we all look up and say, huh? What, what, what was that? And no fault of the player that gets selected. And, I mean, I'm here in Vegas. I cover the Raiders, so I can make it personal. You know, when Cleveland Farrell was drafted uh, in the draft in, in Tennessee, he was drafted number four overall. It's not his fault that the Raiders drafted him at number four, but that made everybody go, huh? Mm-hmm. At four? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sticking with the Raiders theme because they're good at this, at number 17, they picked Alex Leatherwood in the first round mm-hmm. uh, just a couple years ago. And it's like, at 17? In round one? Wait, hold on. And I know that that's not top 10, but still, there's always some zagging when there should just be zigging going on when it comes to the draft. And so things could get a little bit funny, no play on words, a little hairy when it comes to round, I mean, to, to pick number three, because teams could go a little good, a little off the grid, yeah. a little, like you said. Even if you take all the legs off. Yeah, that's exactly right. It could get a little hairy. I look at a team like Houston, though, and I really do feel, I find them fascinating. I really mm-hmm. do. Uh, I, 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 you know, you, you look at the draft capital that they have right now because that is largely under, I feel like, underreported here. Yeah, like, 12 picks. Yes, exactly. Well, okay, 12 picks, but I mean, they have three picks in the top 33. Right. So they, right. they have the second pick in the second round. So they have the number two pick, mm-hmm. they have the number 12 pick. They go 2, 12, and 33. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a, that's a way to build a team if you get it done right. And that's, right? it, yes, so that, so D'Amico Ryans comes in as a head coach. Obviously, his own defensive acumen, both in his playing days and as a DC out in San Francisco. What if they went with a, a, a surefire, can't miss defensive prospect? What if they went with Will Anderson at two? Let's say, let's say Bryce Young. You mm-hmm. know what? Let's get that answer first. Here's Chris Mortensen, our ESPN senior NFL insider. This was on the Sports Center mock draft. He's talking about who he feels like he's hearing confidently that Carolina will take number one overall. What I'm hearing is that both Mel and Todd are going to have to change their mock drafts. And that Bryce Young is the pick. Yes, Frank Wright, connecting Frank Wright to C.J. Stroud in terms of the prototype of guy that he has worked with in the past. They all love Bryce Young. I think I'll quote Adam Schefter, who said, this reminds him of when the 49ers moved up all the way to three, intentional to draft Mac Jones. And then changed their mind at the last minute and drafted Trey Lance. And that has not worked out for the 49ers. And I think the Panthers are on Bryce Young at the start and will stick with him when it's time to turn in that card. So mm. Bryce Young first overall. That means C.J. Stroud is there at two. Yeah. And if Houston goes defense, who jumps up to grab Stroud? 
Well, I think there's a lot of teams interested. Uh, I think, again, coming back to where I'm at in Vegas covering the Raiders, I think they're very interested, right? Todd McShay, he had his mock draft 4.0. He had his pre-draft conference call just the other day and told me, because I asked him about Anthony Richardson, if the Raiders should have interest in trading up for him. And he said, I've heard. And what they're saying around the league is if it's not C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, the Raiders don't want him in the top 10. They don't want a quarterback in the top 10. So in this scenario, C.J. Stroud would be there at number three. I think the Raiders, who obviously have a quarterback need for the future, they have Jimmy G this year, but they need a franchise guy. I think they'd definitely be interested in number three. I think a Tennessee Titans at number 11 would be the same. You, so the Malik Willis experiment is over in Tennessee if C.J. Stroud is available? New GM, he didn't pick him, sure, right? So sure. I think that he can feel comfortable with moving on, similar to a, like a Josh Rosen-type situation. I could see I could see Detroit making that move, too. I could. Ooh, De- Detroit has, Detroit yeah. has two picks in the top 18. Not that you want to give both of them up at all, right. but if you feel like your quarterback of the future is not Jared Goff, mm-hmm. although he's coming off of a stellar season and seemed to figure some things out, I could see Detroit doing it. What about Seattle at five? They have two first-rounders as well. What about Atlanta? You know, Ooh. is Desmond Ritter your guy? Do you give him another Ooh, run? And if he's not, let's keep in mind who might be available next year, right? I mean, Drake may expect it to come mm-hmm. out of North Carolina. Obviously, Caleb Williams as well. I mean, these are things where you, you keep the, your, your, your next five years or so very much in your sights. He's Q Myers. I'm Randy Scott. And for the guys on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, has a title window closed for one NBA contender. That's next.